When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Marauders starting pitcher, Paul Skeen. Two-two pitch to Jarvis. Check swing. Did he go? Yes. Strike three, two away. Give him a shield to go with that sword. You are listening to Rum Bunter Radio. It is Wednesday, August the 16th, 2023. Thanks for joining us, everybody. The Pittsburgh Pirates at City Field in New York. That game uh, just wrapped up, I think, or is wrapping up here by our count as we record. The Pirates um, holding on to a lead 7-4 tonight. Uh, as we get into the show, we got a new guest. We got Mitchell Reese joining the podcast, part of our Rum Bunter Network. Excited to get his thoughts on everything going on in the world of Pirates baseball. Get his thoughts on... Um, you know, what we saw today, Quinn Priester sent down to the minor leagues. Uh, we also saw Paul Skeens make his Bradenton debut with the Marauders. Um, we're going to talk about all of that. We have to start, though, with uh, with Jason DeLay. Marty, I, I know you're kind of a Jason DeLay stan. I don't know if that's fair. Double tonight. Got the Pirates uh, to extend their lead here. I just want your thoughts right out of the top. You're both of you gentlemen. Marty, get us started on um, Jason DeLay making his fifth appearance in uh, in the last 10 games. That's his start, I believe, in the last 10. Yeah, I mean, I mean, all joking aside on my feelings on Jason DeLay, I mean, he's a fine number two catcher. He's a good defender. He gives you decent offense for backup catcher standards. But he started five of the last 10 games. Now, I understand Andy Rodriguez is not going to catch every day, obviously, but this should not be a 50-50 split. And I think what's most concerning to me is it's pretty clear they don't want Andy Rodriguez facing left-handed pitching right now for whatever reason. Um, he's only has 17 plate appearances against lefties. And it's just like, how do you expect the kid to improve against lefties if you don't ever let him face lefties? So I don't know. It's it's frustrating to me. We've seen this so many times in this organization over the years, not so much this front office, because this is all kind of new to them, of bringing up prospects and then to develop them with the Pirates. Um but, you know, this this was always seemed to be a trademark of the Neil Huntington era of, oh, we're not going to let this kid face lefties. And it just – it stunts their development. It stunts their growth. He hit lefties perfectly fine in the minors. There's no need for this. Uh, again, I don't necessarily have an issue with Jason DeLay per se. I have an issue with him, Andy Rodriguez, essentially having a 50-50 split at catcher at this point. Yeah, you know, and this is something that uh... – I think we, when Indy came up and they started to kind of lay out what the plan was, I think we knew we would see Jason Delay a decent bit, but I think we kind of thought it would be 70-30, you know, maybe even 80-20 in a perfect world with Indy Rodriguez. Uh, it's been 50-50, and, um, you know, Jason Delay might have a case that he is the starter 
Mitchell, I want your thoughts on, um, you know, this room in general, as far as catcher goes for the Pirates. Your thoughts, you know, on, on the Andy Rodriguez call-up and, uh, you know, how exciting it's been to see him in the big leagues. But just your overall thoughts on, uh, you know, the situation between Jason DeLay and Andy Rodriguez. First of all, it's just good to have Andy Rodriguez at the major league level. You know, you've got a switch hitting good defensive catcher, and, you know, you want him to see a majority of that playing time. So I don't have a problem with the amount that Andy is seeing. I also feel like your backup catcher was already in the in the uh, in the major leagues when Delay was called back up. I don't think Delay should have been the call up. Instead, personal opinion, you don't draft a guy one one and not play him in his primary position. You don't keep a Henry Davis in right field. You let him get back there and work what he was drafted for but this is the pirates we're talking about so at the same time if they're on to something great you know maybe we'll see something develop to where henry does come back into the behind class of things but until then i'm not sure where they're going with bringing jason delay back up keeping henry in the outfield and like you said a bit ago doing a 50-50 split with Andy. Instead, it should be that 70-30, maybe even 75-25. I won't go all the way to 80-20, but I'll say somewhere in a fair median of 70-30 and maybe even just let Henry take the other 30, let Delay be a minor body and just call it a day there. Find somebody to play right field. Yeah, and you know, I think that's something where I would – lean to agree with you like I, I don't have an issue with jason delay being on the roster regardless but i'm with you that on days andy isn't catching if you're truly committed to henry davis potentially catching as they claim they are they said after the trade deadline we'd see more of it then throw him back there on days andy rodriguez isn't catching you know you're if you're going to ever attempt to roll with those two as your primary catching duo, you're going to have to have a third catcher on this roster because on days you want Davis in right field, and, and, you know, j- just to make it sure you're getting both those bats in the lineup. And that's fine. But, you know, like you said, you should be giving 70 to 75% of the starts, I feel, to Andy Rodriguez. And, you know, let's say Andy's going to start seven out of 10 games, eight out of 10, whatever it's going to be. Of those other, let's say it's eight out of 10. Uh, of those two, he doesn't start. Give one to Davis, give one to Delay. If it's seven out of ten, give two to Davis and one to Delay. Um, and again, it's not a knock on Jason Delay. He's perfectly fine as a backup catcher. He's better than a lot of backup catchers, but he's just that. He's a backup catcher. He's not going to have a long-term impact on this organization the way that Andy Rodriguez or Henry Davis can. And, you know, if they're going to get to where they want to get in the next year or two, they're going to need Andy Rodriguez and Henry Davis to have that impact. They're two big parts of the future. And the best way to develop them, to put them in position to have that impact, is for them to be playing. Yeah, no doubt. And I th- I'm with you as well there, both of you guys. But, Mitchell, I think you said it. You know, it would be great if we saw Henry Davis uh, at least get that 30%. And, you know, that's kind of what I think the biggest frustration was on Sunday when we saw it was delay. Because it was, well, you know, another day of Jason delay. And it's not Henry Davis. So it's okay if it's not Henry Rodriguez every day. But if it's not... Indy Rodriguez, it's, it's got to be Henry Davis 
Um, and that's where I wanted to start the episode. I think it's topical because the frustrations kind of spill over into this week, into today. So we record here on Tuesday night. Um, Jason Delight makes another start, but a double in the seventh and uh, driving in a couple runs there. So, um, but it is a, you know, it's a good problem to have. I think you could call it. And I think you said it at the top there, Marty, Jason Delight, guy that just doesn't get his flowers enough. I mean, a guy that, uh, you know, didn't ask to be kind of in the middle of this situation where you play the same position as Maybe two, uh, maybe the two top prospects in this organization as far as talent goes. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how this, uh, you know, this plays out here. Get the guys reps. I mean, a clock is ticking on games that, um, you know, if you're calling a spade a spade, games that really don't mean a whole lot right now. But they are meaningful at bats for these youngsters to uh, to get this experience here. So let's hope we see a bit more of it. Wanted to start it there, and as. Uh, as we get into the episode, guys, as always, please check us out at rumbunter.com. You can find all of our articles, all of our work over there. Check us out on Twitter as well, at rumbunter. Mitchell, I want to plug our guests whenever we can. You got a Twitter you want to shout out or anything? Where can we uh, Where can we find you at? I'll be, I'll be, I'm not much on socials anymore, and I'll be honest, any of my handles, I can't even personally remember. Oh, man. That's a, just burners, I guess, at this point for you, Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's in essence that's it. it. But once I get some time back around, you know, I'm sure you'll see me back on Rum Oh, yeah. We're looking forward to it, man. Um, and like I said, guys, when Mitchell does get back on, you can check his work out there. You can check out all the work uh, that all of our fine writers are doing at Rumbutter.com. And that's, that's where I want to go next, Marty. You had an article out, I think it was earlier this morning. It might have been um, earlier this week on Monday. But Henry Davis struggling to hit the sliders. We kind of transitioned to a little bit more Henry Davis talk. Uh, I kind of want to go general to start, guys. Your thoughts on what it has been like this first year of Henry Davis. Obviously, you know, you're going to have a guy that has to work through some things and struggle a little bit. But, uh, Marty, if you want to get us started, talk about that article a little bit and just your general thoughts on how Henry Davis has developed as a hitter and as a big league player. Article went up on the site on Tuesday morning. Um, So feel free to go check it out with Henry Davis that – you know, so far in the majors, his overall numbers are not at all what anyone had wanted um, from any top prospect, especially guy drafted 1-1 and drafted for his bat. Um, but if you really break it down, his biggest issue has been the slider. Um, entering play on Tuesday, he was hitting 108 against the slider, slugging 216 with a 40% whiff rate. Um, not good, obviously. You know, he has a 45% whiff rate against curveballs and 30% against sweepers, but he's hitting over 400 and slugging almost 600 off the curveball and hitting over 300 against a sweeper. So, you know, he's still getting his hits on those pitches. The biggest thing right now with Davis is he's got to adjust. He has seen other than forcing fastballs, he has seen more sliders than any other pitch. So the league has figured it out. They figured out he's struggling with the slider right now. They're giving him a healthy dosage of it. When Davis is making contact, regardless of the pitch, he's hitting the ball hard. You know, his barrel rate, average exit velocity, hard hit rate, all well above league average. Um, you, you just need to see more consistent contact, especially on that slider. Cause until he proves teams are going to continue to feed him slider. So, uh, yeah, that's, that, that's going to be the top priority right now for Henry Davis is, you know, working to, to improve against the slider. I mean, that's a lot easier said than done, obviously, especially at the major league level, but, um, he, he's gotten in there to be a very good hitter in the major leagues. And, you know, if we're going to see it, he, he's gotta, he's gotta figure something out against sliders. Has he lived up to the uh, to the hype for you so far, Mitchell? Have you at least enjoyed, you know, what we're seeing mechanically and everything else? So my opinion of this year of Henry Davis 
You know, everything so far I've liked. I've seen the fielding errors from time to time. I've seen where maybe he could have angled a ball better or taken a better route to a certain part of right field to make a better play on the ball. But God, to Marty's point, could you imagine if he figures out how to hit the slider? Are we looking at the next? And uh, again, I hate that I'm saying this as a right fielder. I want to be saying this about a catcher, if not two catchers. But are we looking at a next perennial all-star outfielder, catcher, you know, utility between the two type player? If Henry Davis can hit the slider, I think, is he what people expected he would be? I would say yes. You know, this is a guy that can hit the ball hard, hit the ball far, and hit the ball at a pretty consistent rate. But the problem is, as Marty alluded to, the league is giving him his fair dose of slider. And it's going to cause him trouble. But when he figures it out, I feel as if this could be one of the scariest bats in a Pittsburgh lineup. So to my liking, yeah, I I like personally what I've seen out of Henry Davis. Do I feel as if um, his percentages against the slider are going to take him out of favorable conditions with the common fan? Yes, I do feel as if the, the heavy dose of the slider is going to make the casual fan look at him and be like, oh, he can't hit. Well, Marty just said he had, what, over four and 600% slugging against sweepers and curveballs. I'll let everybody else speak for themselves. But me personally, if he figures out the slider, I'm interested. I am very, very interested. And to build off the point you made too about his defense, you're right. If you watch him, a lot of the issues are, you know, not taking the best route to a ball, playing it poorly off the wall, poor angles. Those are things that can easily be learned with reps in right field. That's why I, you know, I'm not overly worried about him in right field. He's got the arm, which is the most important thing, you know, learning to take better routes, learning to play the ball off the wall better, you know, that, that play, against Atlanta last week where he needed to call off Jared Triolo and catch that ball and fire at home to keep Harris from scoring. Those are the kinds of things you learn with more experience and more reps in the outfield, you know, and this isn't your typical rookie outfielder. It's not like this guy came up through the minors playing a lot of outfield. He didn't obviously. So I'm with you with that. I'm not super concerned about the defense in right field. I mean, I'm not saying he's ever going to be, you know, a perennial gold glover out there or anything, but I'm with you to where I think he can be solid enough defensively to where if the bat comes around as we're hoping and expecting, he can then be a, a legitimate all-star kind of guy. And I still think that's where things are going to wind up for him. Yeah. And that's all you can ask for at the end of the day. I mean, a guy that was one, one in that 2021 draft, but you know, a draft that was structured a bit differently. You, you take a guy, uh, you know, ready college bat that has moved quickly and, um, you know, is having to learn a new position. And I think it's easy to, to get into panic mode a little bit at times when you see his struggles with the slider, um, you know, and, and the poor plays in right field. But like you said, Mitchell, if you look into the context, if you decide to go past, uh, you know, a casual look at what Henry Davis has done, um, it's all there. And uh, the, the power has translated as well, which is um, what you want out of a number one overall pick, which you do not want out of a first round pick is, uh, you know, a sudden and, and just horrific collapse. And I don't even want to know if, I don't even know if I can call it a collapse because we didn't see a whole lot of good 
in Quinn Priester's time in the big leagues with the Pittsburgh Pirates, sent back down to Indianapolis earlier on Tuesday. Your initial thoughts, gentlemen, on this demotion of Quinn Priester. I was going to say, I want to start there because I know Marty. I know Marty's going to have his, uh, his moment in the sun here. So personally, um, I did not think Quinn did as terribly as his outing showed. The thing is with Quinn, I feel as if, you know, they, they make the illusion that jumping from AAA to the majors isn't that big of a jump. The thing is, these guys are major leaguers for a reason. And this is his first go around with seeing these guys. I do feel as if he was drafted in the first round for a reason, but maybe we, um, how to word it, maybe we Tyler Glasnow, Quinn Priester, maybe we called him too early, or maybe we called him too late. We can't figure it out. And the outings show for themselves that something was handled wrong. But I don't think this is the best we've seen or the best we will see out of Quinn Priester. I have hope for him. Marty, on the other hand, I'm worried to hear what he says. But I do know in my heart, I think we have not seen the true Quinn Priester in the major leagues. And I'm uh, quietly praying that I'm right. Yeah, I mean, I definitely hope you're right because, you know, you look towards 2024. If this team wants to contend next year, the, the biggest – need that needs addressed between now and opening day starting pitching without a doubt. Um, you know, and if Priester can figure something out, that helps a lot. But I mean, I think with me, what, what concerns me most isn't even necessarily what we saw in the majors. Cause it wasn't a total shocker. It's the last two years in the minors. He is a pitcher who has been trending in the wrong direction on prospect boards and prospect rankings. Um, his development of his pitches have seemingly plateaued at best. I mean, I still think he can have a pretty decent curveball, and I think his sweeper, there's something there to work with, but his fastball is just very flat, very little movement, very hittable. And that started to become a very clear issue early in the minor league season last year. It continued to be a problem this year. It's a big reason why at AAA his ERA was four and a half or whatever it was. And then we see him come up to the majors and struggle. So, you know, I, it, it happens with pitchers. You draft guys. I said it last night on Twitter where you almost kind of feel bad for the kid. You know, he was arguably the best prep arm in his draft class. He was taken in the first round. There was a ton of potential there. And things just haven't developed the way everybody thought they would. And that happens at time in baseball. It's baseball. It happens. Um, and that just may be the case here. I mean, I'm sure we haven't seen the last of him. I'm sure we'll see him back up in September to take some starts and eat some innings. Um, but I, I definitely think right now, you know, looking ahead to 2024, he's not a guy you're going to, you know, pencil into that opening day rotation or anything of the sort. I want to bounce off of you real quick. And we had discussed this name earlier. And probably we're going to discuss a lot more. If you go into 2024, and I just maybe I'll open this question up to both of you guys. Who do you have more likely to be on that opening day rotation? Quinn Priester, who's already seen action in the major leagues. Didn't look great, but we saw positives and we saw negatives. So maybe we could work on him in the offseason. And, you know, 
we will see what we get come beginning of the year. Or a Paul Skeens, who is quickly impressing at both rookie ball and then tonight in single A. I just, I, you guys can go ahead and have at that one. Uh, that's certainly where we're headed next to here. And why not both? Um, and real quick, you know, Mitchell, I don't know if you, if you uh, had heard the clip. Uh, one of our guys, Cody Duncan, had tweeted about it this week, and I sent it into our group message. Uh, MLB Network talking about the 2024 Pirates and, you know, kind of what you're touching on there. What is this going to look like? Uh, don't know if you guys heard this clip. Let's play that right now. But when you pick about the organizations with losing records, which is best position for next season? You know, I think, Sierra, this may shock some people. And a caveat to this will be if they spend some money this winter on what their holes are. I love where the Pirates are at right now. And I'd love to put up what I propose to be their team okay. on the field and their depth. And I love their two young catchers. I'm going to give a shout-out to J- Jason DeLay. I think he's one of the best defensive catchers in the game right now. Need out a free agent at first base. Peguero, Gonzalez, and Tamar Johnson's breathing down their neck. Uh, Cruz and the young man, uh, Alika Williams, are bought up as a gold glove defender. Hayes and, and their young Trulio at third base. Then Reynolds, Sawinski, Henry Davis in the outfield. Keller, Priester, Steens, free agent, free agent. And I think their closer for me, Bednar, is the best in the game. I have Clutch coming back, Clutch coming back as their DH. This team, to me, is not far from being an elite, challenging team. That was uh, what they had there. I want your guys' thoughts. Uh, and hit us up on Twitter as well. Again. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. At Rum Bunter, that was uh, you know a team that they'd selected as a team with a losing record this season that could instantly turn it around in 2024. Uh, an interesting lineup there, an interesting rotation that was projected. Uh, but Paul Skeens, as you just touched on at Mitchell, he was a part of that rotation. Um, I don't think that's unrealistic by any means. Maybe not to start. Uh, and I, you know, I think there's even speculation when that draft pick was made that we could see him this September. I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. But a big day for Paul Skeens down there in Bradenton, his first start with the Marauders. Um, you know, absolute gem. The stuff, just unbelievable. 
gets you excited. And, uh, you know, you got to hope that we don't see the, you know, the stuff fall off like we've seen it with several guys here as they've worked their way through. But, um, gentlemen, your thoughts on Paul Skeens as he makes a second pro start, his uh, his debut there in Bradenton. Yeah, I'll say I uh, I was out walking the dog um, as the Marauders game was about to start. So I pulled it up on my phone and was watching it while walking the dog. And, uh, yeah, it was it was impressive. You know, his just his presence on the mound, his command on the mound is something that, you know, I feel like the Pirates really have lacked going back to probably when they had an A.J. Burnett or, you know, Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole yeah. yeah, like he – man, that fastball, it's not just the velocity. It explodes. It is an explosive fastball with a lot of movement. His slider is absolutely disgusting. There were a couple swings on that pitch today. From, I mean, I get it. It was single A hitters, but man, you, you were making these guys look like they never swung a baseball bat before in their lives. They're still professional hitters, so it, it's it's impressive. I'm very excited. You know, I know Jason Mackey um, has said he wouldn't totally roll out seeing Skeens in September. I still don't think we do, but I, I will say if we see Skeens in September, I wouldn't roll out him being in this opening day rotation. I mean, I understand there if you're the Pirates. You, a pitcher like Skeens, we've talked about it on here at Nauseam, is a generational type talent, especially for this organization, especially for an organization like the Pirates, where this is the only way you're going to get that top of the rotation, truly elite starting pitching is through the draft. I understand where the incentive is to keep him in the minors for those first couple of weeks as lot to secure that seventh year of team control. But I will also say with the amount of hype that Skeens is going to come with, whenever he gets to the majors, if he pitches anywhere near the way people think he can expect him to, there's a legit shot. He wins rookie of the year anyway, and you lose his seventh year of control there anyhow. So with that in mind, I would be perfectly fine with him starting the year in this rotation next year. Right now, I still would lean no, it doesn't happen. But I don't think it's a 0% chance. I think there's a legitimate shot that we see Skeens head north with the team next year when the season starts. I guess there's no like fancy way to word it, so we'll just call it what it is. As dominant as Paul Skeens has looked, let's – you lose that seven. I think that I would have him in the rotation on opening day. Because this guy is supposed to be the guy that's going to get your fan base excited again. This is the guy that's supposed to bring a winning culture back. And it's what you drafted him for. I do feel as if the same thing could be said for Priester because the the development traits were high when they drafted him and everything looked good about him. And it was like, oh, this is the guy to bring a pitching staff back to the Pirates. But now we're seeing a guy who's coming in and to Marty's point, making guys look like, you know, beer league. I like the yeah, beer league yeah. reference. Yeah, that's a good uh, one. When was the last time we had a beer league, man? Bring that back. Sorry, yeah, Marty, go I was, in, I was in one in college where when you got the first base, you poured a beer, and if you didn't finish by 10 o'clock, you're one big count. So there was, <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's the rule. You got to, yeah. stuff, man. I mean, my buddy Jordan was pitching for us one day, and he called us to the mound. He told us he was seeing three batters. Yeah, that was some good stuff. No, I mean, with skeins, I think the thing is, too, it's just – 
again, when you have this pitcher who is supposed to be the best pitching prospect since Steven Strasburg and the early returns on that are pretty good. Um, yeah, just get him here, get him here and, and go from there. Cause ultimately if you're looking to 2024 and we've said it so much, 2024 was always kind of pegged as the year. This was the year they could potentially finally put it together, start to contend that sort of thing. And the best way you're going to go about that is by having Paul Skeens in that starting rotation from the get go. Um, I mean, th- th- their lineup could be even without any off season additions, this lineup could be halfway decent next season. And I, I'm assuming that between the outfield and first base, they're going to bring in at least one everyday bat. Um, and then just with guys progressing and whatnot. So this lineup probably isn't going to be your biggest concern next year. If you can find any starting pitching at all, there's, there's a possibility there to make a jump. Um, so yeah, let's, let's, let's see what Skeens can do from the get go. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that is most certainly going to be your biggest concern is figuring out who's going to fill out that rotation. And that was kind of the theme of our episode last week. Um, but you know, this week, a little bit more of a positive note. This time it was a, a first rounder that is a little bit younger, still has some ceiling left on him that was uh, sent down and you know, completely blown up. But uh, gentlemen, you know, we've talked about highs and lows in this episode. And I, I don't know why I saved it for the end of night, but I did. We got the top of the trolley and uh, our sour pierogi. What was the best thing and the worst thing you guys saw this week? Um, you know, if I had to start, I'm going to say Live Guerrero with uh, the top of the trolley. Another monster week. You know, the first trade of the Ben Sherrington era. We're starting to see some return there, see it come to fruition. And he's been so fun to watch with this young core in that lineup. Uh, Marty, you're top of the trolley. Yeah, Paguero's a good one, man. He's really impressed. I mean, he looks like a guy who could uh, really be I, – I mean, I think right now he probably is the clubhouse leader to be the opening day second baseman next year. Um, I'm going to stay on the infield, and I'm going to go with Key Brian Hayes. Since he came off the injured list – to start August, um, he's been really good. He had two more hits tonight. He is 14 for 48 since he came off the injured list. So he's, he's hitting 300 since coming off the injured list. He's got three home runs. He's got two doubles. He's got a triple. He has gotten on base at a huge clip. His on base percentage since coming off the injured list is over 400. Um, and what's most encouraging, it's not just the results. If you watch his swing, and Matt Caps did a good job breaking this down in the broadcast tonight, you had a side-by-side of Hayes' swing in June, in late June, and now he is getting his front foot. His his leg kick is not nearly as big, which is allowing him to get his front foot set sooner, and he's catching the ball out in front and barreling it up a lot better. Early in the year, he was struggling with that. His foot was coming set late, and he's getting a lot of things off the end of the bat, um, which, you know, just really cuts down on his power. But, you know, maybe it's that back. It could be the back issue. If the back issue was there that he got put in the injury list for, I can see where he was would be struggling to get his front foot planted in time and not catch the ball out in front and barrel it as much. Um, and he's been doing that. He has looked this month. I mean, it's only been a little over two weeks, but still this month he's looked like the key Brian Hayes we saw in September of 2020. Um, so yeah, if if they can get this version of key or anything close to it for the rest of the season, you're going to feel really good about where you're at with him entering next year. Cause I think that's one of your biggest question marks for next year too, is you need to start getting more consistent offense out of key Brian Hayes. And, you know, I, I write this frequently where every time he gets in a hot streak like this, we all say, all right, maybe this is it. Maybe he's finally found something. 
But I think this time there's reason for optimism because if you look at his approach at the plate, and again, like I said, planting that foot, catching the ball out in front, barreling it, his swing, everything looks much different in, in, in a good way. So, yeah, mine's going to go to Key. I love it. Mitch, what do you got? Uh, Mr. Two-Homer Knight last night, I believe, and Brian Reynolds. I mean, dude, guy looks locked in at the plate. Hopefully, this is the start of showing that uh, this extension is going to pay off for Brian Reynolds. And like to Brian Hayes, hopefully they both can find consistent stride in their swing, keep the high contact, and keep hitting for power. Because these long-contracted guys, these are essentially our cornerstones. We don't have anybody else to rely on, at least in the long term. So this is what we're looking at. We need these guys to continue or we're going to have to blow it up again. And we're going to have to blow it up quick and we're going to have to retool it quick. And at least from a personal perspective, I don't feel as if the pirate fan base wants to see that happen. Nor could they emotionally afford to see that happen (laughs) after the last... Let's see, last playoff berth was 15, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We consider them World Series champions in 15 on this podcast, by the way, Mitchell. Best team in baseball That's in 15. I will die on that hill. Hey, I don't disagree with it. But you can't – I don't think you can afford a, a roster blow-up with this fan base. You'll lose it just like, uh, I don't know, we had over 10,000 in the stands. When was the last time you saw a 20,000 packed stadium put up? So these guys like Brian Reynolds to Brian Hayes, you know, a certain six foot seven shortstop that's better than the one in Cincinnati. I'll hear enough about that, I'm sure. sure. Uh, <laughs> but those guys are your cornerstones. We have to see this keep going. But for me, top of the trolley this week, Brian Reynolds, multi home yeah, and, and one thing I'll add with Reynolds as well is, you know, I mentioned the back issue with Key Brian Hayes, and I don't think the Pirates ever really mentioned it, nor did Reynolds, but it, it was reported by more than enough people who go into that clubhouse on a daily basis, but for a lot of the season, it seems like Brian's been dealing with a back problem also. He'd often be seen in there with his back wrap, that sort of thing. Um, so you, you got to think that a lot of his struggles this year did stem from whatever was going on there. And now that he seems healthy, like you said, he's locked in at a triple again tonight. Um, he's been even a lot of his outs have been loud outs, hitting the ball hard at people. So yeah, that's that's a that's like you said. If you, it, these are the guys you need to see this from, they're locked down as you said. They're your core, and you know you're you're not going anywhere the rest of this year, unfortunately. But if from now to the end of the year you can see Cabrian Hayes and Brian Reynolds finish the season strong like this, see a guy like Paguero come along, keep playing well, that's what you want to see. And that's the kind of thing that sets you up with optimism for next year because all of a sudden you're like, all right, you know, these guys that we need to be our core guys finish the year strong. Let's build off that heading into the offseason and beyond. Yeah. Superstars got to be your superstars. And uh, two great ones there, gentlemen, highlighting, you know, kind of the cornerstones, the foundation uh, of what this rebuild has been. Um, you know, who the hell is the back coach in this organization? I mean, who is in charge of backs? They're letting us down here, but good to see him come back, look healthy. And, uh, you know, we hope this keeps up for the both of them. 
been really fun to watch. Uh, Sour Pierogi. I'm going to go with Wander. Uh, I'm going to go with Quinn Priester. I think it's an easy one. Um, you know, I'll, I'll take it. Let you guys, uh, you know, think about some other lower moments. But I'm going to go Quinn Priester, obviously. You know, it's the guy that we had high hopes for and was hoping that, you know, we'd see him come out and um, look like the guy we expected to see immediately in the big leagues. That was not the case. He's back down in Indianapolis. That's my sour pierogi. What do you guys got? Yeah, that, that's a good one. I mean, obviously, it's it's the obvious one right now, too, with how much he has struggled this week. Um, I, I, I'm i going to go off the beaten path a little bit, I think, here. Um, and even though this one maybe is a little unfair in some ways, I'm going to say Colin Selby. Um, I, I still think Colin Selby can be a really good reliever long-term for this team. But um, – through his first five major league innings after he struggled again tonight, he's got an ERA over 10, whatever. It's five innings. Relievers are going to have five innings stretched during the year. They're going to have an ERA of 10. It's just the way it goes. Um, but when it's the first five innings of your major league career, that's not what you want to see. But I will say his stuff mostly has looked really good. Um, his off-speed stuff has looked pretty filthy. But, uh, yeah, five innings into his career, he's got an ERA of 10. Nobody wants to see that. But I think I think the guy's got a pretty bright future ahead of him. I'm going to rough and I'm very sorry that I'm going to do so. Mine is a mine is Derek Shelton and David Bednar. It's not Bednar's fault that he's out there five times in a row, five straight nights, and he blew, I believe, two in a row, two, three in a row. That's where my problem with Shelton comes in. You have to space out this man's appearances because if you don't, you're going to burn him out. You have to work nine to five jobs and get online to talk about what the Pirates do on the field. We experience burnouts. We feel that too. So you can only help but relate to the guy that's on the mound for the fifth night in a row who just wants to look at you and be like, I hate to tell you, Coach, but I just don't have it tonight. And everybody just looks to this man as if, you know, but you're our guy. But how about a break after five in a row? And that's where I blame Shelton because if you don't handle your bullpen better, so right then and there. Yeah, something we've gone on a lot about on this podcast is, uh, you know, for as much frustration as I think you can have with the front office at times or this, uh, the coaching has kind of been the – you know, the one thing that has stood out the most, the way that these guys have come up and, you know, lost velocity on their fastballs, pointing at Oscar Marine and, you know, the times that this team has struggled at the plate, Andy Haynes, uh, you know, and of course, Derek Shelton, like you highlighted there, the moves that we've seen, um, you know, the calls and uh, from the jump of this season and not just that, I think, uh, you know, from that, that series in St. Louis that started it all in 2020. Um, but yeah, guys, sour pierogi getting stale as we get through this month of August. Let's get a minor league minute as we get out of here. Anything uh, you guys want to highlight outside of Paul Skeens? I know Trimar with the call-up. Uh, we t- touched on that a little bit last week, but uh, any update there with Mr. Johnson? And uh, anything else you guys want to talk about in the minor leagues right now? I think one guy who <clears throat> in the minor leagues definitely needs to be mentioned, uh, Charles McAdoo, who the Pirates drafted out of San Jose State this year, is just off to an absolutely insane start in Bradenton. <laughs> Um, he tonight for the Marauders hit a home run. He drove in five runs 
Um, so he's now off to a 548 batting average with OPS over 1500 to start his uh, professional career. I mean, it's been like 40 plate appearances or whatever, but still it's just insane. This start he is off to, he's already hit three home runs. He's already driven in 16. As I said, his, his OPS is North of 1500. Just nuts what he's doing at Bradenton right now. So uh hell of a, hell of a start to his professional career. Personally, not uh, being a fun working myself, it's quite difficult for me to keep up with the minor leagues. But I'll say this. Tamar Johnson, and I believe the fella's last name is Chang or something like that. I believe his name is. Sung Chi Chang, yeah, in Altoona. Yep. Looks like the power numbers for both of them are going up. High contacts coming. I think for me right now, that's because I like what I'm hearing about both of those guys. You're 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 speaking to the driver of the of the Sung Si Chang uh, bandwagon here, so I'm I'm all for it. I mean the uh, the guy would be in the big leagues right now if it was up to Marty and Nick. Uh, I'm with them too. I need to see more of the tape here, but uh, it's exciting, you know, in that little crop of players there. Um, we, we talk about waves of contention. You get excited about guys like that um, and about other international guys that are a little bit lower down as well. Now, the FCL uh, had to be fun this last couple of weeks. Um, can you imagine that Paul Skeen start if you went to a game at the Complex League with all the, uh, all the young talent, all the young international talent there? And um, yeah, up to Johnson, up to Chang and the rest of the way through. Uh, thank you guys for recapping the minor leagues. Thank everybody for joining us, as always, on this episode of Rumbunter Radio. Uh, anything else, guys, we want to get to as we, uh, as we wrap it up here? Mitchell, your, your debut with Rumbunter Radio, uh, an excellent one here. Anything else you'd like to bring up before we get out of here? The only thing left is thank you for getting me on. Let's go, Bucks, to third place in the division at least. Come on. It's... it's reasonable maybe we'll see it's not out of the picture <laughs> we'll see what we got here as long as they finish ahead those redbirds i know uh that's gonna keep yeah, your big, big series next week with the cardinals yeah. baby gotta finish, find a way find a way to finish ahead of them please whatever it takes at this point do not finish behind them <laughs> and let's wrap it up the right way here uh it's city field new york marty anything else you got for us no, just, yeah, keep following along. Um, shout out to everybody who follows us on Twitter, reads our site, whatever it may be. Um, July was one of the best months in site history. August is on pace to be right there with July, and this was after our June was the best June we've had in quite a while. So this has been one of the best three-month stretches Runbunner has ever had in terms of page views and interactions and things of that nature. So, uh, yeah, shout out to everybody at the site, the staff. Everybody does a great job. And most importantly, everyone out there that follows and reads and whatnot. Because without you guys, what we do wouldn't be possible. And, uh, yeah, just thank you to everybody. And uh, we love it. We love you guys. And keep listening, keep following, keep reading, whatever it may be. And let's go, Bucks. We'll be back next week to break it all down. For Marty Lee and Mitchell Reese, my name is Trey Yannity. Let's root root for the Pirates. We are getting through this month of August. Have a great night, everybody. And let's go, Bucks.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.